Okay, so here we are in your part in God's story, our series that's been running for a few weeks now where we've been unpacking the Bible and we're going through the Bible right from the start to the end, looking each week at a different episode, a different character, a different person and looking at how God works his purposes in the world and uses people, people like you and me and ordinary people to bring about his purposes in the world. And uh, so I'd encourage you, if you've missed any of those weeks, do check back on our podcast, on our YouTube Loads to catch up on of brilliant messages. But today we are in the book of Esther. And uh, I'm super excited about this message, actually, because I believe God has got something to say to us. He's got something to communicate to us. He's got something to say to you today. And, uh, and what he's saying is that we, as his people, we have a defining choice to join in with what he's up to in the world. And it's not a trivial choice Like if we decide to take it, it changes everything about our lives and gives us fulfillment and purpose and a reason why we're here. All right, so why don't we turn together? If you've got a Bible, why don't you grab it? Um, Let's turn to Esther. Esther is uh, about a third of the way through the Bible. It's a book that's kind of self-contained in its own. You can read the whole thing in 20 minutes or so, so I'd encourage you um, to do that you know, during the week, and we're going to just focus on a particular point in the story of Esther. We're going to Esther chapter 4. And as we, as we join the story here, we have the central characters. Uh, Esther's set in the Persian Empire. It's about 500 years before Jesus is born. And there's the king, King, king Xerxes. He's in control of that massive empire, stretching all the way on one side, like from northern Africa over to India. And, uh, but he's kind of a volatile, unreliable kind of king. And he has a right-hand man, a kind of chief overseer at this point called Haman. And Haman is a dark character. He's kind of scheming and plotting. And uh, he's got it in at this moment for the whole Jewish people. And in the center of this story, we've got caught up two Jews who are living in exile, uh, Esther and her much older cousin, Mordecai. And so as we join the story, um, Haman is really mad with Mordecai, Esther's uh, cousin. You with me so far? And he is properly mad. he's, He's enraged, actually, because Mordecai won't bow down to Haman. He won't worship him. And so Haman, in his rage, has decided he's going to not only kill Mordecai, but he's going to actually kill the whole of the Jewish people in the kingdom. And so he's come up with this plot, and he's got the king to sign off on it, that in a year's time, on a particular day, all the Jews in the kingdom will be killed. Haman has signed off on a genocide. And so this is a dire moment. The people of God are in a real real difficulty right now. And we join the situation here. Uh, as, as, as we join the story, like God has already been at work. And we love the story of Esther because we can imagine, like if you can imagine what it's like in that moment, you, you, you don't know how it's going to pan out. You don't know how it's going to go. You don't know what's happening. But if we look at the whole book of Esther, we can see right through that God's hand has always been at work. It's always been directing. It's always been shaping. God's name isn't mentioned in the book of Esther even once, but his fingerprints are all over it. You can see his fingerprints were of coincidences, things that just happen and change situations. You see fingerprints of reversals, like things that the enemy meant for harm are turned 
upside down and actually defeat the enemy himself. Haman, who's plotting to kill Mordecai, he builds a big pole to impale him on, and it actually turns out that Haman is impaled on the pole. And so the, the story of Esther is a story of God's providence. What that means is that God is always at work. God's always shaping. He's always orchestrating. He's always placing things. And so in this story, we can, we can think about this whole picture of the story of Esther as a story of the whole of how God works in the world. Like we can scale it all the way up to Jesus. Like the whole story of history which hangs on this moment where God intervenes, God shapes things. God uses the plot of the enemy to kill Jesus. And actually three days later, Jesus rises again and the whole of history turns in that moment. And so this way that God works, it scales up and it scales down, all the way down to you and me today. That God has been shaping our lives. He's been working in our lives. His providence is at work. And yet, we have a choice. Because God uses people. God uses ordinary people like you and me. And so, as we reach this point in the story, Esther has a choice. And the choice that's, that's reaching Esther is, is she going to step in and try and stop this genocide? And her cousin Mordecai has called out to her and he said, Esther, like, you really need to do this. You really need to speak to the king. You really need to, to speak up and change things. You need to somehow get this decree overturned. And Esther's initial response, response is, well, I just I don't know if I can do that. I know the rules around the palace. I know I'm out of favor. If I do this, I might be killed. In fact, I probably will be killed. And so she's facing this choice. What does she do? And Mordecai sends a message to her, and in his message there's this phrase, we heard it earlier in the Bible reading, Um, here we are in chapter 4, if you want to find it, chapter 4, verse 13, and he says to Esther, and who knows, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And this verse becomes a central point in the whole book of Esther, in the whole story, and the whole way everything pans out. Because this this question is put to Esther, like, who knows? Maybe this is your moment. And, and we can imagine, like, this hits Esther a bit like a thunderbolt because this is like a multifaceted question. Like, inside this question, there are other questions. There are questions that fundamentally challenge Esther about who she is, what her life is about, what she thinks about herself and her purpose and what she thinks about God. And maybe this question, as we unpack it, we can unpack it over our own lives too and just think today, what is God asking us about ourselves? That who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? And so the first question inside the question, inside this multifaceted question, will you own, Esther, the story of God over your life? Because it's a a question like this question has much deeper significance. Because up till now, Esther, she was an orphan. She was an exile. Somehow she's become queen. She's probably wondering, how did this happen to me? What's my life about? And her life that she thought was about one thing suddenly becomes about another thing. And and Esther, she has this moment, a different perspective. And her, her life gains a meaning when it gains a connection with God's purposes. And she has to decide in this moment, like, do I believe that? Do I believe that actually God has divinely positioned me for this moment? 
Will I accept that narrative over my life? Will I, will I see that that's what God has been doing? Which narrative is she going to believe? Which is she going to own? Is she going to be Esther, the comfortable queen who's made it in life? Or is she going to be Esther, chosen and positioned by God and stepping up as a self-sacrificing warrior in God's kingdom? Like, which is she going to be? Which is she going to be owned? And how many of us are in that place? When we look at our own lives, what do we see? When we look back over our lives and when we look in the place that we're at now, I can tell you this morning, like, God has been at work. He has been writing your story. Like, it's not an accident where you are. You have gifts and skills and passions and you've got a place in the world that gives you a unique position to join in with God's plans. And your life will only gain meaning and you're going real meaning when you're connected in to God's purposes. Corrie Ten Boom says this, I know that the experiences of our lives, when we let God use them, become the mysterious and perfect preparation for the work he will give us to do. So which story are you believing about yourself today? Maybe we need to reprogram our thinking about who we are and what God has for us. We find purpose when we participate in God's kingdom purposes. And then there's a second question that's folded up inside this multifaceted question that hits Esther, which is, will you choose to be other-centered? God is asking her this, are you here for others or just yourself? Because up to this point, we don't really know, do we, if you read the story, but you get the sense that Esther has been going through life as like many of us do, trying to make the best of things, doing what she can, in some ways surviving, in some ways trying to being, being good with Mordecai and the king and getting into the place that she's got. And you can kind of sum it up as she's done well for herself. And then this comes this moment, this turnaround, that where, where it turns around completely and God asks her, what if we make your life about others? What if we turn outwards? What if you find your purpose and your destiny, and your, not in your security and your comfort and your achievements and your wealth and your fame, but in working for God's kingdom and his purposes and his story and his people? What if? And where are we in that space this morning? What do we think about our own lives? Like what, what is the narrative over our life today? Are we doing all right for ourselves? What's our goal? What is driving us? What is, what is, what is at the center of it? Are we thinking, okay, if I get through, if I get through this life okay and, and I look after the people close to me and maybe I, and I tag my faith on the side, then I, I'll have done all right. Or maybe God is calling us to something different. Maybe he is calling us to focus our direction, focus our vision, focus our, our direction of travel outwards towards others. We can look around at our lives and just think, and around at the situations that are around us and what's going on in the world and ask this question, like where is the suffering or the darkness or oppression or injustice or hatred or misunderstanding or confusion or disease or brokenness or hurt and struggle because these are the places God is at work. And, and so maybe we can turn our lives from looking inwards about our own stuff and, and turn them around to look outwards towards what is God up to in those places? Where is God turning darkness into light? Where is he at work? We find our purpose 
when we're other-centered. And then there's another question within the question. There are so many ways that you can unpack this thing that's hanging over Esther. Because he's also asking, God is also asking in this moment, will you own and live out of your identity? Like Esther, are you going to own your identity? Are you going to step out of being an individual and identify yourself as within God's kingdom and within his people? Because up, to, up till now, if you look at the story, Esther's life has been about whatever you do, don't let on that you're one of God's people. Don't identify as, as a Jew. Hide. Try to fit in. Blend in. Make yourself the same as everybody else. And so can you do this, Esther? Can you step out and be counterculture? Can you be different? Can you own your identity? And where are we today? We find our purpose when we step out fully into the light as God's children, chosen and loved by him, called by him to be in the culture around us, but to live differently, to be different, to behave different, to make different choices, to have different priorities, to see things differently, to love people, to bring hope, to bring change, provoking those around us by living like Jesus lived. Will we own and live out of our identity, or are we just followers of Jesus in name? And then there's another question wrapped up in the question, which is, Esther, will you give up your life? Because Esther knows, like we can read it, uh, in verse 11, it, sa- it says this, any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, etc., There's a law that they might be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. The default is you are going to be put to death unless the king chooses to spare your life. And Esther knows she's out of favor. She hasn't been called in for 30 days. And so in the question, there's this question, will you give up your life? Will you expose yourself? Will you put yourself in danger? Will you lay your life on the line? Are you going to continue on your current path or are you going to step into the battle? Because we've already said, haven't we, that God is always working. He's always, he's always doing things. He's always orchestrating. He's always bringing his light into the world. There's always a battle going on. There's always a battle. The question is, are we prepared to join in? Because the battle is always costly. Will you give up? your life? It's a good question, isn't it, to ask on Remembrance Day. For most of us, though, maybe we're not in danger of actually perishing like Esther, but we've been so used to fitting our faith into our lives that we've, maybe we've said no to kingdom moments because they're not, because they're, they're not convenient. Maybe what God's calling us to today is going to cost us our comfort and our security, our safety zone. It's going to cost us what people think of us. Might put us in danger of ridicule. We might find ourselves called to be praying rather than Netflixing. We might be called to give rather than take. Will you lay down your life? We find purpose 
when we take faith risks, when we count the cost and we step out in faith. And so all these questions that, that are wrapped up in this big question that's hanging in the air over Esther can be summarized like this, really. Like, are you in? The question's all wrapped up in this one defining question, which God is holding over us too. Are you in? And he's saying to us at the same time with an encouragement, like, you are called for, for such a time as this. This verse applies to you too. It's always the time. There's always a battle going on. God has won the war, but at the same time, there are lives to be won. Are you in? And your life isn't a mistake. Actually, you're placed in a position where you can do things right now to join in with God's plans and his purposes. For such a time as this, it's always this time. We are made for a purpose. And maybe some of us, this really hits home because we, we, we get to this point and Esther, Esther accepts this and she realizes the significance of what she's going to do and what's going on in her life. And she, and she says these words, I will go to the king even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Don't we need something in our lives that we believe in so much that we'll do it even if we perish? Some of us are looking for that sort of significance, that sort of meaning, that sort of definition over our lives, that we're doing something that matters, that, that makes a difference, and that is going to play out in eternity. And then we can say about it, if I perish, I perish. This is Daniel in the lion's den. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's Paul going to Jerusalem and saying, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord. Maybe some of us, for the first time today, want to take a step into God's kingdom and say, yes, actually, I do want to give my life. I, I've seen how God's been working behind the scenes in my life, and I'm going, to, I'm going to hand over my life for the first time. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to ask for forgiveness for trying to do life my way, and I want to live this life, this exciting adventure of life with Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we've given our lives to Jesus but in many ways, we haven't given our lives to the cause of Jesus yet. And there's another step up. There's a step up which takes our faith from being an internal faith, the faith that we accept our forgiveness and God's covering over our lives, but we today accept God's call over our lives into his mission. if we're prepared to count the cost. Corrie ten Boom. Um, it's good to share because it's Remembrance Day. In the Second World War, Corrie ten Boom had this way of living life, had this way of following what Jesus was calling her to do. And she had this phrase like, just report for service. Just report for service. And by doing that day by day and praying that prayer day by day, by the end of the Second World War, she and others at massive cost to themselves had smuggled to safety more than 800 Jewish people. 
but every day they had the choice to protect themselves or carry on with what God was calling them to do. And for her, it started with a prayer. Let me read this prayer. Maybe, and maybe we'll, let's come to prayer together now. And this prayer, she says, a prayer was forming in my heart. Lord Jesus, I offer myself for your people in any way, any place, any time. Lord Jesus, I offer myself for your people in any way, any place, any time. Do you want to say that prayer with me today? Why aren't we just in the moment of stillness? Let's just let that, let's let that prayer out. Maybe you want to say it, physically say it. Lord Jesus, I offer myself for your people in any way, any place, any time. And Lord, we pray that prayer, some of us not knowing what it means yet. God, give us courage. Give us bravery. God, we believe that you have placed each one of us in this world, not just to get through life, but to make a difference. To shine your light into dark places. To bring hope to people. To be your self-sacrificing warrior for God's kingdom. And so, God, even in this moment, we pray, build visions in our heads, in our minds, in our spirits. Lord, speak to us, direct us, show us. Open our eyes to what you're doing around us, Lord. We pray, even today, even in this week ahead, opportunities become so obvious about what you're doing and how to join in. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you are our saving king. And Lord, we report for duty. We report for duty. Amen. Amen.